Hey everyone, welcome to another contentious episode of Let's Read the Bible as we just found out right before recording that me and Aaron disagree on whether our character today should be counted as a legitimate judge of Israel. Listen, that wasn't even fair. I took a drink of water and listen, you started recording listen, right out the just, gate. We're bro. diving right into this. You gotta give me a heads up. The wrestling... I'm spit water all over the soundboard. I forgot the name of the N64 wrestling game, but that's what I'm imagining right now. So Revenge, bro. Is that what it WCW versus NWO Revenge. There you go. The best Nintendo 64 wrestling game that has ever existed. It's a low bar, but I agree with it you is. that it is the best. Um, anyway. WWE or F Attitude, that one's not nearly as good <laughs> as the original or the best. It's not even original because they had one before that. But anyways, I'm well, just dating myself. Welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the 49-week challenge reading plan. We also have physical reading plans available Every Sunday. I love that you jumped right on script. So it's totally Dude, listen, apparent. I, this is a scripted I'm, I'm intro grabbing, every week except this week. So. Listen, I have I I have a lot of faith in our listeners. And I think our listeners are smart enough to realize that we, they say, might walk away we now. say the exact same thing every They might week. walk away. Clearly, we're reading off of a script for that part. I love it. Uh, yes. And so just to do what Evan did, I'm going to jump back on script here. Uh, if you have questions, we like to answer them. So you can send them in two ways. One, you can send them in an email version at info at grove.church. Uh, or you can text Evan directly. Here's his number. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just give everybody in the world your number. You uh, but you can direct message our Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State. Uh, you'll see a little green leaf with the G. That's our, our brand, if you will, our logo. Uh, that way you know you have the right Grove Church. But you can direct message our Facebook page. Uh, Evan kind of oversees and manages that in some capacity. And so he gets those questions on a weekly basis as well. So keep sending them for those of you who have sent questions, and we appreciate it. Exactly. All right. Well, this week we are doing a character study of Samuel. Who is a prophet. Yep. Or a judge, depending on how you want to <laughs> land on that. To lift you uh, behind the curtain a little bit, literally as I'm like getting ready to hit record, we start arguing about this and then we just hit he record says and he, went for it. And, and Evan put most of the content together today. And so he's going to say that Samuel was a judge because the Bible says that he judged Israel. Um, I, he's a prophet. And so, dear listeners... Biblically speaking, he's a prophet. As we go through the episode, you will see why I'm right and Aaron is wrong. Um, as far as the resources that we're using today, uh, we have the ESV Study Bible, the Logos Bible Software, and the Zondervan Illustrated Bible Dictionary by J.D. Douglas. Which Mara actually Tenney calls Samuel a Moises prophet. <laughs> All righty. Well, let's just, <laughs> let's just dive... Uh, right on in. Evan's thrilled because we don't really disagree about a lot of things that it's we talk true. about on this podcast. Um, so Which the moment I, that we get to disagree about something. And in fairness, when it comes to Christianity, you want to agree on most things. Um, I feel like it's it's yeah. kind of unhealthy if you have a bunch of disagreements That's about the, um, the central part of our life. So but listen, I say you should eat bacon. Evan thinks you shouldn't eat bacon. That's so not true. I know it's not true. I'm just kidding. Um, Anywho, so I was, I was going to get into a whole sidebar about how I hate turkey bacon, but that's not relevant today. So, all right. So let's talk that's about- That's actually what the Bible says about don't eat is turkey bacon. There you go. Uh, let's talk about, first off, Samuel's birth and early life. Um, this is where he was called to be a prophet. Exactly. Or, yeah. Yeah. A prophet at this point. Sure. Um, so anyways, it, it's kind of nice because the life of Samuel actually really neatly divides into sections because it's his early life. Um, it's his period as a judge of Israel. And then it's his period as kind of kingmaker. So uh, a prophet can't judge Israel no, either? he's both. He's a prophet and a judge. Um, anyway, we'll get into that. We'll get into it here in a couple sections. Uh, all right. So Samuel's parents were named Elkanah and Hannah. Um, Elkanah, his father, it had two wives, uh, Peniah or Peninnah, 
or and Hannah were the two wives there. I don't know how to pronounce it. She's not important. She's just a jerk, basically. Penny. We'll call her Penny. For Penny. Sure. Yep. So Penny and Hannah, like from Big Bang Theory. Um, Hannah did not have any children. So the she Bible says, yeah, the Bible says that she was barren. Um, and Do we agree on that one? Yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> we agree there. Uh, but yeah, so Penny is, uh, Penny's mean to Hannah all the time. It's clear that Elkanah has a ton of affection for Hannah. And he actually really shows that he's a good husband at this point because, um, especially back then, children were a symbol of status as well as, um, it, it's funny because in the modern world, we don't view children as a way to make sure that you're taken care of when you're older mm-hmm. because there's so many like just government programs and you, and you have savings to, to make sure that that happens. But um, back then, like the idea of being childless really was an issue because yeah. if you're if you're old and alone, there's not much there for you. Um, so Elkanah um, could have been like a lot of men at that time and, and been very frustrated um, that this was happening. But he, he, he shows Hannah a ton of love. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't, basically I'm saying I don't want to paint Elkanah in a bad light. He, yeah. he does a good job too. Uh, so, and he would also give her extra portions uh, to sacrifice so that when they went to the temple, um, you know, Elkanah would sacrifice, Penny would sacrifice, and then uh, he would actually, he knew that Hannah wanted children so bad and that's what she would always ask God for. So he'd actually give her more, um, a, a bigger portion of the sacrifice just so she could go and Try and do earn that. more favor with the Lord because that's how it works. Exactly. Uh, and so just to give you like a, a quick peek into the uh, uh, the relationship between the two, uh, in 1 Samuel 1, 4 through 8, it says, On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peniah, or Peniah, uh, his wife. It's not Peniah because there's no I at Pen- with the A. Penina. I'm going to go with Penina. Pena? Penny uh, would give portions to Penny, his wife, and to all her do- sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used uh, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than 10 sons? Nope. Which that, yeah, that little bit like makes me so sad because he's kind of like saying like, hey, aren't I enough? Which is like, and uh, you know, again, it's just a loving relationship, which I think we we don't. We don't get the we don't get to see behind the curtain of a lot of the biblical relationships. At least see them in like vulnerable spots. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, it's true. Kinda, yeah, it's kind of cool to see that. Uh, anyway, eventually, happy story. Uh, God would give Hannah a son, and she would bring obviously because he's we, do, we just well we we led off with these are Samuel's parents, uh, and she would bring him to the temple to be a priest. So God answers Hannah's prayers. Um, he gives and her gave her a prophet for a son. Yeah. And so she, but yeah, she, she dedicates him to the Lord. So mm-hmm. she, she recognizes that Samuel. And that was part of the prayer too, is that she would like, Lord, give me a son and I'll give him back to you in essence. Yep. My paraphrase version, but. And so she, she, and she gets the joy of seeing, cause it's not like, um, I'm trying to think like, this is a stupid, stupid reference, but it's not like Star Wars where she's giving her son to be a Jedi and she never sees him again. Like she has some relationship with her son. It's not Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, exactly. Um, No, but like the whole point is like she gives up her son to the Lord um, and she gets to see him grow up to be a a priest, a prophet and a, and a judge. So uh, Samuel would learn under um, the high priest, Eli, uh, whose lack of leadership as a father would be his downfall, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. True. Um, and I also, I was thinking about this when I was prepping. It's kind of ironic um, that Eli acts as a spiritual father to Samuel. And in a way, Samuel is the son that Eli should have raised, um, but didn't. So there you go. A little bit of extra, Aww. a little bit of extra thing. But, you know, everyone has 
everyone has problems with sons in this story. It's just kind of, you know, spoilers for later. Everybody has problems with sons in general. That's fair. Gideon is just the He's worst. A tyrant. No, I'm just kidding. That's my son's name. That's true. I, I feel like we should have probably clarified that. That's, That's why I clarified. Uh, so well, while Samuel was still a boy, we get a famous story of God's call in his life. Um, at night, Samuel kept thinking that Eli was calling him. He would run into Eli's room. And Eli would keep saying that he didn't call him. Finally, Eli realizes that it must be the Lord calling to Samuel. And he tells him to go back and say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so you have, you know, young Samuel. He keeps hearing a voice saying, Samuel, Samuel. And he keeps running to Eli's room. It is funny how long it takes Eli to recognize what's going on. Because he's like, wait a second. Third time's a charm, bro. That's the way it is. Um, So in. to, to, To Eli's defense, though, this is the middle of the night. True. If my kid came running to me thinking I called him, I'd be half asleep. I didn't call you. Go back to bed. When I, yeah. I didn't call you, go back to bed. I do also think, I, I was fine, I was just having a conversation about this, but I do think that miracles are less common than we make them out to be because we get like the highlights of miracles, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, all throughout the Bible. And so we kind of just think of like, well, of course it's a miracle. Like, didn't you just read like a page ago when the page ago was like years before or yeah. whatever it is? So there's, there's that part you're of just that. a glass half empty kind of guy. You know, you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> so in, in 1 Samuel 3, 10 through 14, uh, this is what... Uh, happens. So it says, and the Lord came and stood calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Pause there for a moment. That's the funniest Dude. line I've ever read right <laughs> so there. Like, Cause normally, um, like I, that's I, what's wrong with your version, bro. That's it, what's wrong with your translation. It, it reminds it's me weird. So like in Habakkuk, tingle, right? He tingle, says, tingle, tingle. in Habakkuk, he says, behold, I am doing a thing that no one would believe. And that's kind of like the standard intro of the Lord. And this one is like, it's going to make your ears tingle. So there you go. Anyway, uh, moving forward on that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the in- inequity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Theref- Side note, fathers, you better learn to restrain your son when they blaspheme. Absolutely. Uh, therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the inequity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering for Iniquity, not inequity. In- oh, sorry. Iniquity. Iniquity is another way of saying sin. There you go. I'm just like... What are you new? I'm just having trouble reading today. That's because you know that I'm right and you're wrong and you don't <laughs> want to admit it. So let's just be honest. So with... Um, yeah. So with this section, Eli has already had it revealed to him basically that he's he's on God's bad side. Mm-hmm. Samuel's confirming it at this point. Um, and it, it, again, it is this really interesting picture because Eli is the high priest. Um, he acts as judge over Israel at times too. Um, and he's he's teaching Samuel all these different things, but all, all the while knowing that God has kind of turned his back on him, mm-hmm. um, which is... But he's still faithful to his call. He's still yeah. faithful to his role, which I think is interesting. I think it, it in and of itself, it speaks paramount um, to, to Eli. I know we're not talking about Eli today, but I do think it's important to realize that, like... Uh, how, because I, I translate that to today in the sense of like how many people would they know that God has turned his their his back on the blessing and the legacy and the favor, like that he knows that he's in, he's in, he's in trouble. Sure. And how many of us would walk away and say, "Well, fine," or I'm scrape out. and fight um, to keep and hold on to power, much like someone that we'll see later who God turns their yeah, back on. I'm not going to spoil it. Yet. Yeah, but but yeah. So I think, up. but I do think it's important to realize that as Eli still maintained his post. Now, did he work as diligently? Probably not. Um, like even as I've read the story many times about Samuel and, Hey, you've called me, you've called me. Um, do I think that if he would have recognized God's, that what was really going on there earlier, 
Maybe, but I, I don't think, I think it's worth knowing because even in the midst of his failure and disappointment and how he didn't restrain his sons, he still remained faithful to his posts. So yeah, there, there you go. a lesson for all of you and me. Yep. So the Ark of the Covenant would be stolen by the Philistines, um, which is a big deal. So that it takes up a lot yeah, of chapters. The Ark of the Covenant is, it's, it's representative of God's presence. God's like, this is... The God's, Ark of the Covenant was God's with. presence is always with the Ark. Yes. Uh, inside of the Ten Commandments um, and a couple other things I don't remember off the top Aaron's, of my head. Aaron's rod. <clears throat> yeah. And some of the manna from the old the exile or the journey from exile, not exile, sorry, the journey from Egypt. Yeah, the exodus. Um, they have some of the, the manna, the bread. So there you go. So. Um, but yeah, and it, it is kind of like, like total side note because we're, we're not really talking about it, but like it goes over to the Philistines and they realize that it's God's just cursing them because <laughs> they have it. And so they bring it back across the border and they just drop it off in a border town. And they Israel. run away. Yep. And they're like, we're done. We're we don't out. want it. Um, so they don't even, <laughs> it doesn't even get back to the temple. I believe until David is king. Yeah. David gets it. Yeah. And so. Because it's blessing the town that it's in. That's There's right. blessing in the town. Like there's an abundance in the town. Uh, that the Ark of the Covenant is in. And then David's like, we're going to return this thing. Yep. Um, so anyways, when when Eli hears about this, um, he falls and dies. And at this point, he's old. So it's kind of like, it's not super surprising, but he falls out of his chair. Um, he hits his, I think it's Because the neck. Ark was stolen. Yeah. Just to when he hears that the Ark is stolen. That. Uh, and so therefore, you know, fulfilling the vision that God had given him as well. Um, at this point, Samuel begins to act as judge for Israel. Um, and he would be the final judge for Israel as well. Um, I disagree. We also we also don't get a lot of info about what Samuel does, which is kind as of as a judge. Yeah, that's because he's not a judge. So there you go. It's because he's a prophet. Uh, so his his judgeship does start off with a bang. So we'll we'll get into First uh, Samuel seven three through eleven. It says this. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, gather all of Israel at Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and feasted. Or fasted. 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 Very, a, different. very different. Very yeah, different. They didn't thing. feast, they fasted. Uh, and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now, when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out for the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel, Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as Bethkar. So that's kind of a cool, that's kind of a cool way to start off. So um, let's say for a moment that Samuel is a judge, uh, just for the sake of argument. Um, he he does a great job because what you see in this cycle of um, in the book of Judges, for instance, is that the people of Israel are kind of in apostasy or they're turning they're they're turning away from God. Mm -hmm. um, God will raise up someone who who brings them back, and so Samuel's first act is at, at the very least the leader of Israel is to turn their affections back to God to tell them to strike down their idols. Um, and go back to worshiping only God. So that happens. And then the Philistines 
attack and then, or want to attack. And then God is basically saying, no, not happening. So good deal. Um, good deal uh, to start off with the bang. Israel will, or Samuel then builds a monument at the, at that point. And then we get this little thing, which is really interesting. Uh, Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah. And he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah for his home was there. And there also he judged Israel and he built there an altar to the Lord. And that covers like decades. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's so Samuel's a young man. Uh, he begins to judge Israel. And then literally all we get from after that first moment is, and then he judged Israel for all of his life. So King Saul, like that's like, yeah, kind of right. how the story goes. So it's really interesting. Um, but that gets us into the next portion of Samuel's story. And this uh, I titled Samuel as Kingmaker. Um, and I would say arguably this is what Samuel's most famous for, mm-hmm. um, is that he is the prophet. Yeah, he's most well known for that. Yeah, he's the prophet who anoints Saul as king, and he anoints another king who we'll be talking about here in a second. But uh, yeah, I, I put in the notes, um, ironically, Samuel is better known for choosing the next leaders of Israel than he is for being a leader of Israel himself. Um, so there you go, for what that's worth. Um, Aaron, do you want to read first Samuel eight, one through nine? Only if it talks about him being a prophet. No, I'm just kidding. I think, well, this, this is a role um, of prophet actually. So first Samuel eight, one through nine says this, when Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel and the name of his second Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, yet his sons did not walk in, in his ways and turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And said to him, behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now anoint, appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, God, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until even this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now when you obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So yeah, Samuel, it is really interesting, I think, that Samuel falls into the sins of his um, of his spiritual father, Eli, mm-hmm. that he, his, he also, um, and I don't know, I mean, the Bible doesn't explicitly blame Samuel for his sons misbehaving yeah. like they do Eli, so maybe... But his sons were also not in the same same spot as him right it was i don't think if i'm remember or if i understand correctly he's not eli's issue was he knew that his son's blasphemed god and he didn't rebuke them or or remand or reprimand them i don't it doesn't sound like to me that samuel knew that his sons what his sons were doing in the sense that they were perverting justice and took bribes. that's true you could read it that way so uh, but i but we know that eli knew what his sons had done right uh, we don't have clarity that Samuel actually knew what his sons were doing. Um, Israel is not a small spot. It's not a very small space. So have his sons judges over Israel means they were probably in the same circuit that he modeled when he was judging and things like that. Right. Um, so that that would be the only thought that I would have. Because Samuel isn't, isn't punished like Eli, Eli, if I remember correctly. Um, no, yeah, he's not. But so... So there you go. That's my two cents. Yeah, I tend to read it as he's aware that his sons are kind of losers, but yeah, you could read it both ways. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it's not definitive one way or the other. That's because sure. you're a glass half full and I'm a glass half. You're a glass half empty, sorry, and I'm a glass half full guy. That could be. 
Uh, just so, saying. No, I'm just kidding. So God would uh, grant Israel a king uh, in Saul, and he, Saul was a real mixed bag as a leader. Um, I think we did we did a Saul episode, yep. didn't we? Yeah. Okay. So go back and listen to that. If we didn't, we've talked extensively about Saul. Yeah. I I want to say we actually did a full character study of Saul at one point. So there's a good chance we did. Yeah. Um, I think we also did one on David. That I don't know. I think we did. Uh, but yeah, Samuel it's been would, a crazy year. I can't remember what that's yesterday true. was. So. 2020. There's, to remember what was happening in January seems like years ago. Um, there was a January this year? I'm yeah. just kidding. Uh, I'm so, still waiting for April. True. Some of those memes. Uh, so Samuel would anoint Saul um, as king. Um, and then, yeah. So, I mean, just to kind of get into Saul a little bit, um, Saul is kind of the picture of who you would imagine is king. Mm-hmm. It talks about how he's so way- Head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah. He's kind of like a like a George Washington type figure where he's just like taller than everyone and everyone looks at him like, oh my gosh, this guy- He's a good leader. This guy's a leader. Just look at him. He's yeah. got the look of a leader. And so um, it doesn't go as well for Saul as no. it went for good old George. And uh, yeah, so eventually God would reject Saul um, and not just Saul, uh, his whole line, which we see like as kind of an echo of what happened with Eli. So it's not just that Saul would no longer be king, but even his son, Jonathan, would not get to be king. Mm-hmm. Um, and by all accounts, Jonathan was a pretty good guy. So He was a great guy. Yeah. So bummer, bummer there. Um, and God would call on Samuel one last time to anoint someone else as king. And so we get to, uh, he tells him to go to Jesse's house. Um, and Jesse, you'll remember... His father is Obed, and then his father is Boaz, who married Ruth. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about Ruth before. So there's yes, a little, little familial connection there. Yep. Um, but anyways, coming out of that, he goes to the house of Jesse, and Jesse lines up his sons, um, or at least all of his sons, except his youngest son, because his youngest son is lame, and he doesn't want to put forward his youngest son. So. Yeah, his youngest son is not, he doesn't fit the bill. They looked at him, and he was like, he was a real John Adams type. You look at him, and you're like, he's not a king. So if you can't tell, I'm reading a book about the American Revolution right now. Um, anyway, so uh, David's out in the field. Spoilers for who his youngest son is. Um, there's the older sons coming through, um, and Samuel keeps going, and he says, you know, surely this is the the one. And God keeps saying no. So we'll pick up in First uh, Samuel 16, 6 through 13. It says this, uh, when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made, made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Dun, dun, dun. I know. And then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get, and get him, for we, we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes, a weird detail to put in there, but but thank you, (laughs) Uh, and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and appointed him in the midst of his brothers. Anointed him. Oh my gosh. In the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So apparently David, um, I misspoke. David was handsome, just shorter. So he's more of an Alexander Hamilton type than John Adams type. <laughs> for those of you following along with my uh, my comparing kings of Israel no to, the, you, to the founding fathers no of the words. U.S. So anywho, 
all of that happens, uh, Samuel anoints David, and that's kind of the last thing um, that that he does that's famous anyway, that's kind of recorded in the Bible. So, But doesn't Samuel come back, or is that Nathan who comes back? When Saul... Whoa, 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 calm down. Well, you said that was the last thing he did. I've got a whole bit planned for that, don't worry. So Samuel dies. Uh, and Samuel we, does not die. Samuel dies. Oh my God. And maybe we, as a judge, Samuel dies. And we get this passage in the Bible. Uh, it says, now Samuel died and all of Israel assembled and mourned for him. And they buried him at his house in Ramah. That's it. All right. So we get a really, it's, it's really short. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the last thing that Samuel did. So let's discuss Samuel's legacy. Um, and <laughs> boy, you just really want me to get to Okay, fine. Well, you know what? I was going to... I was You gonna, just cracked me up. That's I was going to do this. Like, no, it's like fine. It's fine. I was going to do this after we so, discussed no, let's, Samuel's let's discuss. legacy. But let's go... How do you define judge? Let's, let's go, discuss this for a second. How do I define judge? Just I mean, because the Bible says judge? Yeah, like a leader when of Israel. When you say he's the last judge... He was the last... Um, he was the last leader of Israel that God directly appointed instead of... What well, about the book of Judges? Right. They're all, they're all leaders. So I guess here, here's what... For me, here's what a judge is, right? A judge is someone who is appointed by God, whose sons don't get to have the hereditary title necessarily. So, which is part of what you see the downfall of some Great. of these. Great. So then I, I won't disagree with that. Okay. Because so, he is a prophet. Like, yeah. That's what he is. When he speaks on behalf of God, that is what a prophet does. We'll just call it different And things. the majority of what <laughs> Samuel does when he's speaking, and, and I get it because like even scripture says he judged all of Israel, but I would define judge differently based upon the, the comment we had before we started recording, you dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Dirty cheat. Um, but yeah, and, and you even see this as a theme with a lot of the judges is where they get in trouble is they try to make their sons also leaders over Israel. You see that with Gideon. Um, you see that with Eli. You see it with Samuel as well. Um, when, not Samson. <laughs> yeah, not Samson. So good for him and Delilah, I guess. Um, but well, no, Samson the, killed himself. Yeah, I know. I'm aware. Um, but no, like the, the whole point of, of that area is that, of that era, I should say, is that God would directly choose people to mm-hmm. raise up, um, to lead. And then once the king started, um, God obviously still had his hand in things, but it was the sense of, you know, Saul was king, expecting mm-hmm. that his son would be king. Um, and that was the way it was supposed to go. And then once David's line starts, they're the kings of Judah all the way to the end, I believe. Yes. And then, you know, we talked about... A lot about the kings of Israel, but then there's a lot of different dynasties there. Um, if you want more info on that, go back to our King Ahab episode because we kind of dive in a little bit to the the different dynasties of the kings. Yeah, of well, the I, North. I would say there was even a point. The majority of last year, when we were working through the Bible, we did a lot of a lot of actual dialogues about the dynasties and the kings and True. things like that. So um, you can even go back to that those podcasts as well. So. Yeah. Um, as far as Samuel's legacy goes, it's it's he's clearly someone who's honored in the history of Israel because. Um, by all accounts, he did not write First and Second Samuel. It's just they're named in honor of him. Um, he he certainly did not write Second Samuel because he's dead um, at that point. But you weren't picking up what I was talking about when I was talking about I, was it Samuel or Nathan when Saul offered profane sacrifice? Dude, we're getting there. Don't worry. No, th- I think when I you know offered you're... profane sacrifices. Sorry, I'm going to look ahead. You keep talking. All right, fair enough. It might have been Samuel. Maybe I just didn't talk about that part where he informs Saul that the Lord has turned his back on him after yes. Saul does. Oh, yeah, I just, I just skipped that part. Oh, I guess. Okay. That's my bad. That's what I was sitting at. I know what you're going to next. Oh, and I'm not going there. Gotcha. All right. Well, um, to satisfy golly. Aaron, um, one of the big reasons why God rejects Saul is that Saul conquers. I don't remember what area it was, um, but he doesn't offer. Did he, did he conquer it or did he, he want to see God's 
answer and Samuel wasn't around. So no, he that's took, that's later. That's what we're about to talk about. Uh, what you're talking about, aren't you talking about how many offered sacrifices and it wasn't the right sacrifice? And then Samuel said, basically, like, you, God has turned his back yes. on you. Yeah, yeah. So that's different. But well, he didn't conquer anything. I thought, I thought he did. I thought he, I was, I, I, no, no, no. From what I remember, and I've been a lot long, alive long, longer than you. That's fair. Um, many, because that, that many, justifies many, anything. Many, many more years. But it have. was, Samuel was wanting a petition to the Lord to have an answer about a fight or a battle. And that's Samuel wasn't around. That's a different story that we're talking about. Sorry. Well, this is great podcasting. Maybe we'll hit stop Listen. here in a little bit and just put it on a, l- a little epilogue so we can put some clarity on nope, this. Nope. We're, we're, anyway, um, so discuss, yeah, just, I mean, discussing Samuel's legacy, he's clearly well-respected. Um, he's the final leader of Israel who is not a king. Mm-hmm. And and what you do see, even with the the failings of of his sons, is that um, Samuel's, Samuel's legacy is really someone who obeys the Lord yeah. um, at pretty much every turn. And mm-hmm. so... Um, he was a very great representation of God's, I don't know, God's justice and judging. Yep. So. And his one big moment as leader of Israel, um, he does turn the people's hearts towards God, which is a great thing. And so you might be thinking, thus ends the story of Samuel. But oh, wait, there's, there's more. There's more. As I put into the notes, crazy epilogue. Uh, we actually hear from Samuel one more time after he died, um, which I know you're thinking is crazy. So here's what happened uh, in second and first Samuel 28 verses seven through 19. It says this, then Saul said to his real, servants real quick. This is when Saul had already lost God's favor. Just uh, saying. Yes. This is very late in Saul's. I think he dies the next day or something. Sure. Yeah. So this, Close. Is, this is very late in Saul's kingship. Yes. Uh, seek out Mary. Seek out for me the woman who is a medium. Uh, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, behold, there is a medium at Endor, which I don't know if that's where uh, George Lucas got the idea of the moon in Star Wars, but who knows? Uh, So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went. He and two men with him, and they came to the woman at night. And he said, and he said, divine for me by a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name for you. The woman said to him, surely, you know what Saul has done and how he is cut off from the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come to you for this thing. Then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress for the Philistines are warring against me and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, then why do you ask me since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has has done to you as he spoke to me for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord. And did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing that you say. That's the thing. That's the story that we were referring to, I think, a little bit earlier, where he he didn't do the full. It wasn't what I was referring to. Really? No. But just we're just talking past each other. I'll, t- I'll tell you what I was hitting on after you finish. Gotcha. This. Okay. Moreover, the Lord will give... <clears throat> 
The Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your son shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. So there you go. So even after Samuel dies, we get this crazy story with a bunch of different interpretations of what actually happens here. Um, I've read some interpretations that it's not actually Samuel, but it's like some type of a demonic spirit, which I don't think is true because it's I mean, speaking for God, Mm -hmm. Um, there's uh, other interpretations that it's an angelic spirit of some kind speaking for God. And there's other interpretations. And this is kind of where I land because my my default mode is basically um, if the Bible says it, like, I'm just going to go with it unless it clearly contradicts something else. And then you can kind of like figure out like, well, what Mm -hmm. what could it be? Um, But it seems like it's just like God allows Samuel um, past the grave to come back and talk to Saul for a second. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah, it um, definitely is interesting. And again, there's, yeah, there's a few different ways. <clears throat> there's a few different ways to interpret it, interpret it. I'm not sure where you land exactly on it. Well, but. I, for me, I mean, the simple, the simple thing that I say is like witchcraft is real. <laughs> like, um, the, the, like dark darkness exists. Um, evil is true. And I mean, even as you see, like the mediums and the necromancers, like th- this is, this is dark magic. This is dark. Some darkness Lord in the, and of Lord of the ring stuff going yeah, on right pretty here. Pretty much. Um, so I think that there is like things can happen and, and magic plays into it, but it's not something to play with. It's not something for you or I to dabble in or, and, and this was part of Saul's demise. This is part of like, you see him at the very end of his rope desperate. And so he's doing everything he can possibly to do um, just to get something to get a, I would even say, I think he was okay hearing the news that he received because he just needed someone to tell him something. Sure. Um, and that was part of Saul's problem to begin with is that he, um, really was lost in his ability to know clearly what he should and should not do. He relied a lot on influence and people and not enough on conviction and truth um, to be all preachy about it. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's something to toy with. I don't think it's something to play with. And I know there's people out there that will totally play with it and toy with it and the whole Wicca thing and the cult and that there's, sure. there's legitimate reality to darkness um, and evil and the cult um, and, and we are as Christians were, you know, told not to play with that, not even to dabble in that. And so, um, and I can't remember where it's, uh, but anyways. Yeah. There's a bunch of places where it's, yeah. so particularly in the old Testament where like it, it was a legitimate problem. Where you but see, even like, in the new Testament, like it's, it's rebuked and forbidden, like, True. not even forbidden, but it's like told not to. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think the story of Samuel is, you're right. I think it's well known when it comes to David and Saul, um, the, 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 the passage I was referring to was when Saul, and I, and I wish I would have looked it up and found it. I didn't find it, but there's a moment where Saul is in essence, full of himself, um, as the leader of God's people, um, whether he conquers a nation and then celebrates with the sacrifice to honor God, or he honor or initiates a sacrifice and does what really Samuel was supposed to do as that high priest figure, um, there, that's what I was referring to is that Samuel gotcha. rebukes Saul for not waiting because Saul was impatient. Um, and the people were, ple- or I, I believe the people were asking, um, or he saw, just had this most like I needs, and you see it here in this, uh, necromancer or whatever medium conversation. He, he needed someone else to, to speak to him and for him. And so he, uh, he sacrificed before the Lord and it was profane because it wasn't what he was supposed to do. There's certain protocols and certain uh, requirements that exist. And part of that is not being around dead bodies. And that's, you know, there's there's a holiness to offering a sacrifice that the priests are supposed to walk in. Samson so, gets in trouble for that. 
Yes, he does. Uh, so that's that's part. That's what I was alluding to. There was this, there's this interaction where Samuel shows up and rebukes Saul for being stupid um, and doing something that he knew better, um, but Saul just couldn't help himself. So yep. that's what I was referring to. And Saul, and it's funny too because like Saul clearly misses that, mm-hmm. uh, which is what the last little epilogue story here tells us. Yep. But I thought it was interesting because it's very that story is very unique <laughs> among biblical oh, characters because with every other biblical character, um, their story ends. When they die, yeah, um, and there's a little bit. But with Samuel the, came back. Yeah, the only other time I can think of is is Moses and Elijah in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, they don't get they don't talk at all. No. They're just kind of there. So, you know, Jesus was talking with them, but you don't know what right. being yeah. said. So, anyway, yeah. with all that being said, that's the um, transfiguration in the New Testament. That's what he's referring to. Yeah, we didn't do any Q and A's uh, today, just because we're. I knew we we're going to run a little bit longer on this one, um, which is also why I didn't put in all of the Samuel and Saul stuff there. Uh, but rest assured, we will. Uh, we'll do a couple next week, maybe one or two. Um, trying to get into the backlog. So thank you guys all for sending in your questions, uh, and also do us a favor, leave us a five star review on whatever you're listening to. It just helps get the podcast out there to more people, you know, grow this community of people bringing them out together. Um, and then last but not least, we are a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove Church. You can find all of our other podcasts and resources on our website at grove.church. Have a great day, guys.